Hello, everyone. This is the Teacher's Tribe podcast, and I am your host, Maxine McFarlane. I must admit that I am still on a cultural high after Jamaica's independence celebrations last week. This week, I want to highlight another interesting part of the Jamaican culture that you might find fascinating too. It is quite common for people to be called by something other than their given names. In Jamaica, for example, the peanut vendor may be called Nutsy, and Creamy is the man who sells ice cream. In the United States, I noticed the practice of a shortened form of a person's name being used instead of the full given name. For example, I've heard Richard being called Rich, and Margaret may be known as Maggie. In Jamaica, though, pet names are usually completely different from the given names. I'll share a few examples from my family. So my late aunt's name was Pam, but she was known as Trudy. My brother Mark is called Courtney. My sister Sharon is known as Debbie. My uncle Lester is called Neddy. My cousin Dalston is known as Pete. And my dear mother-in-law, Alethea is called Gerda. So the names are completely different from their given names. And that's just a selected few family members. I could add many other relatives and friends. It is common practice for children to have a yard name, pet name or nickname that friends and family always call them. I learned that this practice was a way for parents to prevent someone from stealing their child's official or registered name. A pet name is often used more frequently and people don't even know the person's real name, real first name. How much do you focus on the names of the children or students in your care? Is that something important to think about as we begin a new school year? Let's explore that idea today. Here's a funny story from when I taught grade one in Jamaica that is a perfect example of the yard name situation that I mentioned earlier. One day a student from another class stopped by my classroom and asked if she could speak with Munchie. I informed her that there was no one by that name in my class. She responded while pointing across the room, teacher see Munchie sit down right over there sir. Let me translate that. She was pretty much saying teacher munchie sitting right over there it was funny but i used the opportunity to inform her of munchie's real name and explain that she should use the official name at school at least in the formal setting as a child i remember my brother teasing me to tears by calling me Dorcas. now here's the backstory my mother took me to meet my paternal great-grandmother when i was a baby she told my mother, call the pitney Dorcas. So she was telling my mother to name the child Dorcas. It was a common practice in our culture to give children Bible names, so I figured that she meant well. Of all the names in the Bible, why did she have to choose that one? I certainly didn't like it and I was grateful that that was not my name. Thanks to my wise mother who gave me a name of French origin, which means greatest. 
I've always been intrigued by names and especially their meanings. And we spent a considerable amount of time during my pregnancies deciding on the names for our children. This week's episode is a tribute to my middle-born son, Makayo, and all other children with unusual names. I listened to a podcast called The Staff Room with Che and Pav recently. And in one of their mini episodes, one of the hosts, Pav, talked about growing up in Canada with a name of Indian origin and the anxiety and negative experiences that she endured throughout her childhood and even into her adult years. Her words resonated with me because I've always observed my son's varying reactions to people mispronouncing his name or not even bothering to try. When he was younger, he would politely correct them or spell it proudly or even be amused when someone mispronounced it. As he got older, he noticed when friends and even family members would remember his brother's name but not his. He talked about the numerous times he had been called Makayo or a myriad of other names by teachers and substitutes. And he also noticed that the nurses would just say his last name when he went for a medical appointment. My son even came up with his own quote as a result of experiences that arose because of his name. And here is Makayo's quote. He says, I learned to say here when the teacher hesitates while taking attendance. My poor boy. I chuckled when I first heard his quote, but I have been reflecting on how he has journeyed through various experiences surrounding his name during his 15 years of life. He is currently at a stage where he isn't concerned about it anymore and just accepts however it is pronounced unless he is directly asked if the pronunciation is correct. I encourage him to speak up kindly, but he says it's not a big deal to him anymore. One of the reasons we gave him this beautiful Hawaiian name is because it means gift of God, and he is certainly a special gift to our family. Unfortunately, like many other children, there have been some anxiety and unpleasant experiences because of his name. Let's delve into etymology and explore the potential social-emotional impact on children. Over the years, I have taught children from varying cultural backgrounds, and some of them have names that were unique to me. I believe that a person's name is special, and I like the quote credited to Dale Carnegie, which says, Names are the sweetest and most important sound in any language. An opposing view is expressed by Sarah J. Mayes. I'm hoping I didn't just butcher her name, especially because I'm talking about names. Well, she said, names are not important. It's what lies inside of you that matters. In my opinion, saying someone's name is one of the ways to make a personal connection. And I make it an integral part of my beginning of year routine with my students. Every year, I challenge myself to learn my students' names by the end of the first week of school. I'm proud to say that I have consistently been able to do so because I make it a priority. Since we will be starting this year in a virtual setting, it may be more challenging this time around, but I'm up for the challenge. 
I think it is unfortunate that some teachers do not see this as important and they show little regard for learning names. Now I acknowledge that it is a challenge for teachers who see several groups of students like, um, like middle or high school teachers, specialists. And I am by no means expecting them to accomplish what I can with 20 or so students. I believe that we can all make an effort, even if we can't remember all of the names. Every year, there is at least one student with a name that my Jamaican tongue has difficulty with, I must admit. I usually put myself in the role of a student and solicit help from my tiny teacher so I can practice until I get it right. Sometimes they may offer a simpler version of their name just to help me out. I also had to adjust to accepting that students may choose a preferred name. Here comes another cultural connection. When I was a student and even later when I taught in Jamaica, your official name was used whether you liked it or not. Children did not have the option to use their pet names or even their middle name instead of their given name. The truth is, just like we don't get to choose our family, our names are also given to us at birth. It is a big part of our identity and I believe that it is something worth focusing on because of the impact names have on an individual's feelings. Most of the students that I have met whose names are difficult for me to pronounce are from other countries or are children of immigrants to the United States. When I consider that many of them have to make significant adjustments on a daily basis, I believe it is vital for me to do my part to lessen their feelings of anxiety. They may have additional challenges due to language and other cultural differences, and I do not want their names to be another challenge for them. As the adult in the room, I choose to set the tone for how the students should relate to each other. I actually solicit other students' support when I'm struggling with a name because they may have been classmates in a previous grade. Based on my son's experiences, I have noted different responses to mispronouncing names and the effects on how they see themselves. For some of them, it may also affect how they view their culture and create anxiety for them. Feelings of shame and invisibility are also possible. I also want to highlight the importance of writing names correctly, paying attention to hyphens, apostrophes, tildes, etc. I believe it is a mark of respect to not only acknowledge one last name for the students who have more than one. Although naming practices may be different from our culture, it is important to be mindful of them and do our part to show respect for their cultural backgrounds. I want to offer a few thoughts and recommendations to fellow educators as we start this new school year. Number one, mispronouncing students' names is not their fault, but rather a limitation on our part. We are the ones with the challenge. Their parents and others from similar cultural backgrounds don't struggle to say the names. We need to make the effort to highlight that fact and encourage them to correct us when we don't say their names correctly. 
Number two, our perspectives and experiences contribute to why it may be difficult for us to pronounce these names. It may be equally difficult for someone from another part of the world to say your name in the same way that you do. Show a genuine interest in their names and make the effort to keep trying until you're able to say the names correctly. Ask the students for feedback to ascertain if you are correct and keep on trying until you get it right. Number three, think about how your deliberate attempts and ultimately success in just saying a student's name can add to his or her well-being and positive sense of self. During one of my morning meeting sessions when we closed school in the spring unexpectedly, I read the book Alma and How She Got Her Name to my students. It was written by Juana Martinez-Neal, and it's about a girl who learned the story about her name. The author wrote a note at the end of the book that is a beautiful story with which to end this episode, and I'm going to read it from the back of the book. So Juana Martinez-Neal wrote, A note from Juana. My name is Juana Carlota Martinez Pizarro. My father named me Juana after his mother, Juana Francisca. My mother chose the name Carla to honor the memory of her uncle Carlos. My father was a man of decisions, so when it was time to register my birth, he changed Carla to Carlota on the birth certificate. He was convinced that Juana Carlota was the mighty name he wanted for his daughter. Thanks to that change, I got stuck with what I thought was the most old-fashioned, harsh, ugly, and way too Spanish name in all of Lima, Peru, where I grew up. Little did I know that later on, after I moved to the United States, it would feel unique and remind me every day of where I come from. What is the story of your name? What story would you like to tell? Head over to my blog at theteacherstribe.com to respond to these two questions. I will also post the questions on Instagram and Facebook and look forward to your responses. I hope that it will give you an opportunity to share your story and also to be mindful of the stories that come with the names of the students, even if they're difficult to say. Please say my name. I'm speaking on behalf of all of our students in this school year. Until next time, walk good and one love.